Today we interview Bernadette Uzalak, Executive Officer of Geelong Chamber of Commerce, who reflects on her earlier career in recruitment, which spanned 23 years. She offers advice to companies looking to recruit, gives three key recruitment tips, and talks about the changes in the recruitment landscape. We also look at what's happening in our online forum and events that are coming up in the new year. My name's Marie Herreth, and welcome to Harvest Recruitment, Seeds for Success show. Welcome to Harvest Recruitment's Seeds for Success show, where successful managers and experts share their insights to help you recruit and retain the right people in your organisation. Now here's your host, Marie Harris. Welcome to Episode 1 of Harvest Recruitment's Seeds for Success show. We're very excited to deliver our podcast, which is designed to help managers source, select and retain the right people in their organisation. But first, a little bit about me. My name is Marie Herreth and I'm Director of Harvest Recruitment and Harvest Human Resources. We're a boutique recruitment and HR company that enables managers to find, select and retain the right people in their organisation. We're renowned for placing technical specialist and executive roles, both in contract and full-time arrangements. We work predominantly with medium to large companies uh, and we work across the engineering, construction, property, IT&T, manufacturing and oil and gas sectors. But what we found is we're not just for big companies and we're not just going to provide out fully outsourced recruitment services. We want to help those that perhaps can't access um, the the larger fully outsourced recruitment scenario. And we believe that by offering our podcasts, you can tap in and learn a little bit of expertise of what we're presenting to our clients. And anything that we present in our shows is specifically designed to help you recruit better today and give you some tips on what you can do to motivate and retain your staff once they're employed with you. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll get on with the show. What we've got today, first, as we are embarking on our podcast episodes, we're not going to have a listener question, but we'd love your feedback after episode one. And if you do have any questions, feel free to submit them to us and we'll let you know later in the show how you can do that. We'll talk about what's happening in our various online forums. We'll give some advice based on some generic questions that commonly come up in the recruitment piece. And of course, we welcome today's guest, Bernadette Uzlak, Executive Officer of Geelong Chamber of Commerce. Bernadette's been Executive Officer at Geelong Chamber for the last three years, but prior to that, she enjoyed 23 years experience running her own recruitment agency. So we look forward to what she has to say later in the show. We'll also talk about our upcoming events as we launch the new year. I cannot believe the new year is almost upon us, um, but what our events will be in the new year and how you can access those. So let's get on with the show. In light of not yet having a listener question being episode one, I'm just going to cover one of the generic questions that we often get um, when companies are embarking on finding staff. When they start to go to a third party, they do have choice. And I'm director of a recruitment firm, which is a commercial enterprise, but there are also employment agencies. So today I'm going to answer the question, what is the difference between a recruitment firm and an employment agency? Because there are very stark differences. So first of all, a recruitment firm A recruitment firm is there for the employer. So a recruitment firm would go to the employer and the manager and take a very detailed brief of the anticipated hire. So what the person is that you're looking for. So it's a very detailed position description based on the actual role, where it sits in the company, who it reports to, who reports in to the role, the key purpose, the responsibilities, some key performance indicators, what your crucial outcomes, 
you are seeking from this employee. And then we go down to the the personal attributes. So what skills and experience and qualification, what personal attributes you seek, and if there's any values fit that you're looking for in the person, as well as getting an understanding of the budget or salary that you have for the role. Then the recruitment firm will tailor a solution that is going to give you the best chance of the best group of candidates from which to choose a prospective hire. So recruitment firms will, by nature, source through a myriad of channels. We will advertise the role in the most appropriate medium, and there are so many today. We'll have candidates that we can source through our database. We'll have access to other databases such as seek.com, LinkedIn, and various other databases. We'll have our networks that we have working on our behalf to find the talent that you're seeking. So there's a whole range of sourcing that happens to bring it down and and we put in place a significant filtering process by which we are screening and selecting and interviewing and validating the candidates for you. And we bring it down to a short list of somewhere between two and five candidates, depending on the role, really taking the legwork out of the process. All the hiring manager needs to do from that point on is interview the shortlist and make a selection decision. The candidate's shortlisted and the final candidate is reference checked by the recruitment firm and the negotiation of offer also gets taken out of the way of the hiring manager and we negotiate on your behalf. So making sure that there's mutual agreement to the salary offering, starting times and locations and all those sorts of things. So that's what a recruitment firm does. But because a recruitment firm is a commercial enterprise, there is a fee for that service or a fee for placement. So you will engage a recruitment firm and it is a commercial arrangement where terms and conditions uphold the recruitment process. So once you have your candidate and you have selected that person, you will be issued a fee. And normally a recruitment firm will provide a guarantee period of approximately three months so that should for any reason that employee not work out, you receive a replacement candidate and replacement service free of any professional fees. Employment agencies. Employment agencies quite often are known as job services agencies as well. Job services agencies or JSAs as they are known by the industry, they receive funding from the government. And their objective is to get their clients, people who are unemployed or underemployed or are in minority groups, back into the workforce. So their number one client is the job seeker. So they have a pool of job seekers that are referred to them by Centrelink. Once that person is registered with the job services agency, They remain sitting on their database for approximately three months, um, at which time the job services agency really starts to work on their behalf. Prior to the three-month mark, the job services agency or the employment agency would not be able to gain any funding if they were to place that person. It is job seekers that are out of work, unemployed or underemployed for three months or more that they truly work on behalf of. Uh, The reason is the funding is greater uh, the longer the person is unemployed. So they do also have quite often business development offices um, that would go out to the employers and take a job brief. Similar to the recruitment firms, they would go through and ask what is required. The key difference is the employment agency or job services agency has at their disposal only the candidates that have been registered and have been forwarded to them via Centrelink and really that is the group of people that they're dealing with. So what that means to the employer is the candidate grouping comes from a marginal sector of the overall job seeker audience. However, 
if you do place one of their clients, so one of the people who has, who has been unemployed or underemployed or been in a minority group, if you place that person and that person stays with you for three to six months or more, that you can actually access funding for that person. So when they hit the three-month mark, there is usually uh, a pool of money, which is the government funding, that you can access. And then if they stay a further six months or a further three months to six months, you'll gain a further funding from the government for having that person who was once unemployed or underemployed back in the workforce. So it's a, uh, a driver to get people back in the workforce. So you are paying nothing. There's no out-of-pocket expenses as an employer. However, there can be, and not all the time, because I've seen it work and I've seen it work personally, uh, but you can have levels of, what would I say, how to say it diplomatically, um, just levels of issue, I guess, with people who are coming back into the workforce. Um, there might be some certain attitudes around work that need to be um, mentored and need to be developed. And there's quite a lot of support required in that employees first three to six months as they get back into the groove of work. So that's the key difference. One is a funded scenario. One is a fee-for-service or a fee-for-placement scenario. One looks at getting a certain group of people back into the workforce. The other is really working on behalf of the employer and getting the right fit from the whole gambit of candidates. And it could include candidates from job services agencies as part of the whole process, but they are just one grouping that an employer can look at. So that answers the question clear as day, I hope for you, of the difference between recruitment services and employment services. What's happening in the forum? Harvest Recruitment and Harvest Human Resources has a range of online forums where you can access us. So let's talk through our various online forums and what they do. Um, to have a chat, you can either, depending on your preference, uh, join us at Harvest HR Group. Um, that's a two-way dialogue discussion. So if you have any questions, anything that you'd like raised in our podcast, feel free to drop us a line. And the same is on our Facebook fan page, which is Harvest Recruitment on Facebook. So you can follow us, become a fan. We'd love you to become a raving fan and drop some questions there and we'd be more than happy to pick them up in our next show. So they're the two online forums where it, it is a two-way dialogue and we like to keep it open so anyone can see the questions, anyone can tap into the forum and have their queries discussed and a bit of commentary around that. Of course, you can go to our website, our website, which is harvesthr.com.au. That holds, well, that's the mothership. That holds everything when it comes to recruitment and HR. So frequently asked questions are there, um, some more information about Harvest and how we started out. And yeah, you can reference and look at a lot of information. All of our podcasts as well are based on our website. So take a look after the show. Join us at our Harvest HR LinkedIn group or Harvest Recruitment fan page, or just have a peruse of the website. We'd love to have you engage with us and go on the journey. What's coming up in Harvest HR world? We'd like to take your attention now to the new year. Can you believe 2013? Pretty much done and dusted. Next year, we'll be hosting breakfasts in Victoria. Um, actually out of Sleepy Hollow Geelong where some of the best exports have been made. Our breakfast series runs at Winter's Cafe and our first breakfast for the new year is Thursday the 19th of February and we'll be discussing staffing for growth. What does growth mean? How do we define growth? How can we achieve growth? And what employees do we need to factor in if growth is to be achieved? So Winter's Cafe, mark it in your diary, Thursday, 19th of February, starting at 8am. So we've got a nice lazy start. It is the new year after all. And we'll be 
turning the breakfast series into webinars as well. So again, harvesthr.com.au, look out on the website, our events page is there and you will see the webinar come up. It will probably be the last week of February. We're just going to cover some client feedback. We're going to reserve this segment for listener feedback, but we're going to just discuss a client that we've just been helping out recently. They had quite a senior brief and they're a company that has been rapidly expanding. Uh, The company's only five years old and already they've gained, I think it's 30 or 40 employees, but they're at that stage where the director has up until now produced a lot of the business uh, for the remaining employees and remaining staff. In order to grow, he wanted someone who was pretty hot to trot, top of their game, And he gave us a brief and it was one of those select headhunt briefs, you could say. One name, one person in a pretty big company that he wanted to have join his team. After an approach to that person, so our role was make the call, generate the interest, warm the audience so that they are open to what we have to say. And that's exactly what we did. One name, one company made the approach and that person is open to discuss further. So this company has been delighted with what was achieved. The individual or prospect for their organisation is someone who is high in demand and they are delighted that that person is now open to talk about the future. And It was somebody that they perhaps thought might be out of their reach, but through the work Harvest Recruitment did, we were able to leverage that person, determine what their drivers are, feed that back to our client and give them something to work with so that they can then present an overall offer that that gentleman will be attracted to. So we look forward to seeing where it finishes up, but already the client has said, you've done a fantastic job and thank you for all the groundwork that you did to have an individual that was receptive to a new opportunity, thanks to Harvest Recruitment. So that's a nice little client feedback that we can include. And yeah, it's it's just something that is part of our service when we've got a very select audience um, that we're working with and even smaller group of candidates. I am very pleased to introduce Bernadette Uzelak, who's our guest today. I met Bernadette very early on in the game when I relocated from Perth, Western Australia, back to Geelong. I was born and bred in Geelong and I'd never actually worked here um, except for paper round checkout chick, oh sorry, checkout operator, uh, back in the 80s. And I left Geelong to study in Melbourne and relocated to Perth in the in the late 90s. And I lived and worked in Perth for 10 years. I came back to Geelong in 2009 and that's when I decided to launch Harvest Recruitment. And One of the very first meetings I actually had was with Bernadette because she was still at that time with local recruitment agency, People at Work, and People at Work had a very, very strong brand in Geelong. Um, I, I didn't know that she had sold the business and was exiting the business at the time, uh, and I learnt that after our first meeting, and she had grown people at work from its very early start in 1987 out of Geelong and over the the very many years that she has been running people at work really made a name for high level recruitment services in the region. So of course when I look to launch Harvest Recruitment the very first person I want to talk to is this lady who has done an amazing job with a very highly reputed organisation in the region. So I spoke to Bernadette and she offered me some very good tips when I started my business. And since she's exited people at work, I've just seen her go onwards and upwards. And I just admire this woman. When you think Geelong and when you think 
women who are so proactive in representing this region, you do think Bernadette Uzalak. She was a mayoral campaign candidate uh, in 2012. And uh, so she's gone through the mayoral election process. I don't think she wants to go through that again. Um, But let me tell you about Bernadette. Bernadette was the CEO of People at Work for 23 years, having established the Geelong Recruitment Agency in 1987. In 2010, she was appointed Executive Officer of the Geelong Chamber of Commerce, the first female Executive Officer in the Chamber's 157 years. Bernadette is well known and connected within the local business community and is a highly regarded business leader, holding a number of senior board appointments, including G21, Committee for Geelong, Geelong Business Club, and Deakin University's Academic Advisory Board for Commerce Programs. She is also former Deputy Chair of Committee for Geelong. Bernadette's wealth of experience includes consulting throughout Australia and internationally. She has been involved in significant human resources projects for multinational companies in Singapore and Hong Kong over many years. I'm delighted, and I hope you are too, to hear from Bernadette today. All right, we'd just like to welcome Bernadette Uzlak, who's Executive Officer for Geelong Chamber of Commerce, um, to talk about her experience prior to Geelong Chamber of Commerce, which was when she was the founding CEO of People at Work Geelong Recruitment Agency. Welcome, Bernadette. Thank you, Marie. Now, one thing that I noticed in your background, you've done a bit of travel. I have. (laughs) Singapore and Hong Kong, you mentioned. So tell us about your time Mm, there. Indeed. Well, I spent quite a few years in uh, Singapore and Hong Kong. In Singapore, I was undertaking a fair bit of training at that time uh, for some very interesting projects, actually. Most of it was behavioural interview training, and uh, I got around to quite a few interesting uh, organisations and some projects. One, one of the most interesting, I think, was um, with the Singapore Armed Forces. Wow. And we got down to some very interesting discussions, actually, because I was um, training some of their military police, effectively, and uh, some of the questions that they asked was around, um, I suppose, being able to recruit people to go forward if they had to do the ultimate for their country, and that was to... Um, I guess, lay their lives on the line or to uh, follow orders to the extreme. And uh, we had a very interesting discussion about how would you recruit a new new recruit into the army to uh, undertake or to have those sorts of um, attributes and um, ability to follow orders and instructions. And we talked about that. We broke it down into its, its rule form. But we had a very interesting discussion. <laughs> What a fantastic opportunity. I spent Mm. three years in Hong Kong in the recruitment world myself and it is Mm. such a different culture and such a different environment. Oh, it certainly is. It was wonderful actually. I spent about um, five or so years in Hong Kong uh, travelling backwards and forwards and at that time I was recruiting for a um, an international joint venture made up of banks and financial planning institutes institutions and um, the National Australia Bank had a 51% shareholding in this uh, particular joint venture. So it was their offshore wealth management um, division. And at that time, it was uh, a stepping stone into the the big China market. So I was recruiting locals over there. It wasn't expats. It was local people um, from China and Hong Kong uh, to undertake roles in wealth management in Hong Kong. So very interesting, uh, you know, right in the middle of Hong Kong in the... um, Chong Kong Tower and, um, you know, it was just really beautiful um, sort of experience, I suppose. Um, so different, you know, to Australia, but um, very interesting. That's right. And, mm. and you do get a grasp of different cultures and in and how differently they work. Mm. Um, and when you do have to have the the recruitment of the locals for the local industry, mm. yeah, it throws a very different dimension onto recruitment. It certainly does. And I can remember a very interesting time. It was during the SARS epidemic, actually. And um, so we went over there and uh, someone had loaded me up with masks and um, <laughs> antiseptic hand wash and the whole, whole thing. So I went over there and, um, of course, I didn't, 
you know, interview with a mask on, but interestingly, uh, people did come in wearing masks. And the, the, the double, um, difficulty of being able to interview somebody who is wearing a mask and also has a fairly heavy accent, uh, was rather difficult because yes. you do rely on body language and, and, you know, tone of voice and so mm. forth when you're recruiting. So that was quite an interesting challenge, but, uh, we did have the antiseptic hand wipes there after every interview. <laughs> exactly. I was there during the SARS epidemic as well. And I was pregnant with my first child and there was, um, pressure for me to work from home. Um, um, given that it was such a significant outbreak. And I even went into the office and interviewed without a mask. Uh, and then we had one candidate who came from the most affected tower come in for interview. I donned the mask for that one. <laughs> I, I, I would grant you that one. <laughs> <laughs> now, moving on, uh, Bernadette, you started People at Work in 1987 um, and you ran the business for 23 years. After selling your business, you've become Executive Officer of Geelong Chamber of Commerce in 2010 and you continue to give small business a voice in Geelong. But I'm interested to know, what prompted you to commence your business in recruitment? That's a very interesting one and it goes back to, I suppose, a, a desire to have something of my own and to create my own future in a lot of ways. So for me, it was really about that entrepreneurial spirit which was always there and showed in a lot of ways when I was younger but um, it was an opportunity for me to actually branch out and do something on my own and um, I had a passion I was very passionate about um, you know my work with people and I felt that I could make a difference and that was really what drove me at that time and that that very strong um, entrepreneurial desire to start something, to create it and to see you know, where that could go. <laughs> mm, and even today, People at Work is such a strong brand and that's on the basis of your development of that company over those years. Yes, it, it is. I'm very pleased to see that it's still going very, very well and um, it's really built on a very strong foundation which was all around um, service to people, customer service, um, absolutely being responsive and uh, being able to deliver and, you know, really based on very ethical sort of principles. And that actually takes me to one of my next questions that I had, which was one of the distinguishing features you had in place in the company was achievement of certification to the RCSA, which is the Recruitment Consulting Society of Australasia service delivery standard. What did this entail? And I'm intrigued, did companies outside the recruitment industry value accreditation to this standard? Uh, that's interesting. That, that is going back a number of years when we first initiated that accreditation process. Um, at the time, I suppose, there were lots of um, the Australian standards and so forth, which in some ways were um, quite a over-the-top kind of accreditation process for recruitment industry and there wasn't really anything prior to the recruitment industry standard that was specific to the recruitment industry. But when that came out, I, I jumped on it because for me it was a way of developing our business and, and implementing um, really sound processes which would be able to be replicated throughout my team. There's one thing having the owner um, who is dedicated to certain standards of performance and delivery, but being able to um, replicate that throughout your entire organisation is absolutely important. And really the only effective way to do that is by having a process or a standard in place. So we, we did um, go down that path and I felt that um, it was something that we were certainly able to market fairly heavily and we did market it heavily to our clients and I'm sure many of them did um, value that and, and understand that. It wasn't always the case because it, it's an interesting marketplace, isn't it, in recruitment because uh, often, um, I suppose, dare I say, there are a lot of cowboys in the industry they're, uh, unlike some other states in Australia, we don't actually have regulation for recruiters, so anybody can pretty much set up their shingle. For me, this was a way of really, um, I suppose, showing the difference between, um, delineating the difference between ourselves and those perhaps 
not so professional organisations because uh, we were able to demonstrate we had a process and we followed through and we had KPIs around delivery standards and those were things that my my team were measured on as well. So that in turn lifted the whole performance of the organisation and I think it, it then showed in, in what we did. So there were many, many benefits to be had uh, by going down that path. And... One thing I've noticed, we're, we're a corporate member ourselves of the RCSA and I'm now on the Victoria Tasmania Council of RCSA. Congratulations. And our job is now to to bring the industry in our regional area up to, to that standard and also um, present the benefits of RCSA to recruitment organisations. But one thing I found very interesting was that within the region we have probably about 12 to 15 recruitment services company, corporate recruitment services companies. Of the 15, three are corporate members of RCSA. So that's one of my my platforms, if, if you like, it will be to, to bring the region up to that standard but also to present the benefits to business and industry of that RCSA standard. So it's one of my... It's one of my um, passions as well to, to improve the consistency of service that is delivered by the industry. That's um, so very true and, uh, and that was certainly my experience that I found that those recruitment firms that weren't part of the RCSA were really operating in a vacuum because having um, an association with a professional body, it delivers the training and the professional development and also delivers the, the kind of environment that you have to operate in as a professional service. So you, you tap into all of that expertise and that knowledge and that professional wisdom. And for those organisations that are not, I think um, they really are operating in a vacuum and uh, they're not necessarily de delivering the professional services to their clients. Well, thank you for your insights there. Now, it's been a few years since you left the recruitment industry. Reflecting back, what would you say were the highlights? Oh, well, it was really quite a, an interesting time. I have to say I loved my time in recruitment. I loved um, the thrill of being able to place someone in an, in an organisation. Even doesn't matter what the, the role was, whether it was the CEO or whether it was the admin assisted, it was still very exciting when we, when we placed somebody and it was successful. So I think it was, it was about that. It was also the, the feedback, knowing that we did a great job, knowing that we made a difference to an organization. And my background is also in organization development. And for me, it was around what happened after the placement. So it was the success of that placement and seeing people many years later. In fact, uh, one of my very first placements, he's still around in the organisation and he reminds me every so often, um, he, that was back in, I think, 1987, 88, and he's still there with the organisation. And I love that. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> reward, I think. And people who love recruitment love that reward of seeing that person that they place really flourish in their role mm. where you've you've not only created a fantastic result for your client being the corporate but also for the individual and it's win-win. Mm. Oh, it's win-win-win. Oh, it absolutely is. And I think over over my years in recruitment, I also launched many careers, many HR careers, which was something I'm very proud of as well because um, rather than being... I guess upset that somebody was leaving me. I, I was really pleased because I had a, a part to play in uh, their career development, which was fantastic to yes, see. Yes, yes. You have worked with many companies, assisting them with their recruitment needs. What have you found to be the most common issues clients have when it comes to recruiting staff? It's interesting. I think uh, one of the most common things that I see is that uh, there's just that perhaps lack of understanding or value of the recruitment process. I think we as recruiters, and I, and I still still think of myself as a recruiter, it's hard to get it out of your blood, yeah, you isn't it? You take the woman out of recruitment, uh, but you can't take recruitment out of the woman. Indeed, <laughs> I indeed. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things is that we do it so well, we try to make it so seamless. We're like the ducks with the little, you know, feet paddling under the water. And we, we try to not make it look 
bumpy. So, so we deliver a very smooth um, process to our client and all they see really is the end result. And I don't think they necessarily understand exactly the amount of work and uh, what's involved, you know, the um, expertise that's behind the whole process. There is a science to recruitment and often that is not understood. Mm. Um, it's not just a case of, oh, they look great on paper or they look good when they come into the interview. Mm. So there's so much more to it, as you know. Mm. And I think um, that perhaps lack of awareness and understanding of mm. the, the real processes involved and the professional expertise that is applied to the recruitment process is a common issue. And I've often found that, um, you know, clients who wanted to do it themselves um, you know, I, I would say to my consultants, don't worry, they'll, they'll be calling us soon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they'd see markedly the difference of when they embark on a recruitment exercise themselves. And sometimes they do, I'd have to say, fluke it. And they, they, they get the person in the role without a lot of due diligence and that mm. process and protocol along the way. And so they don't see that process that perhaps recruitment services firms delve into as you said we make it seem seamless mm. but then they will go again and go oh I didn't get what I got the last time and I think that's what begs the, the need to potentially outsource to the professionals. Indeed and I think that um, when you're talking about organisations that may have an um, inbuilt HR function and undergo undertake professional processes they, they generally get it mm. but it's often the, the smaller organisation that might be only recruiting once in a while they look at it they think it's simple they think it's just about you know having a chat to somebody and then picking a winner. Mm, mm. <laughs> and it's just not quite as simple as that. Mm. And now in Geelong Chamber of Commerce, you get exposed to a number of small business. What have you learned about companies and their approach to recruitment now that you are the executive officer at Geelong Chamber of Commerce? Well, I still think to a large extent companies do it themselves. And a lot of that is dollar driven, of course. You know, it's about containing costs and keeping overheads down. It's a little bit of a false economy though and I think these days recruiters are much more flexible in that there are lots of different aspects of the service that can be provided. You can pretty much um, break it down and offer parts of the service as well to provide that best outcome. But I think that you know, businesses are still looking to do it themselves to a large extent because they don't understand uh, they don't understand that the real value, the long-lasting value, and uh, I still see that happening at the moment. Um, so I think that there's probably a little bit of an education that perhaps the recruitment industry needs to undertake in terms of, you know, just what what do recruiters do? Um, if a business has a need to seek professional accounting services, they're probably unlikely to try and uh, dabble in it themselves they're going to see their, their local accountant. If they have a, a legal issue, they're going to go to their lawyer. Um, it should be the same thing with recruiters. You know, if you want it done well, if you want um, due diligence undertaken, then um, it needs to be through, you know, a professional service unless you have that built-in expertise. Mm. Um, so I, I think that there's still a long way to go. I think the small business community, you know, is really um, – struggling in terms of being able to afford to pay for external services and this is something that we need to look at addressing and how we can help the small business sector to look at this as being just one of their many overhead costs. Mm. Something I've witnessed with small businesses is they believe it is an all or nothing scenario. So yeah. I either go the big cost, big expense mm. recruitment service mm. or I do it in house and there's no, there's no middle ground. Uh, and I think again, that's something that's come from the recruitment industry where recruit, the recruitment industry has been working in its traditional format for so long that many recruitment firms still operate in that fully packaged outsourced solution or nothing. So, but we're seeing a movement now of, of the recruitment industry and harvest mm. recruitment 
that's something that we offer is the part services. So we speak to a lot of the small businesses who don't have the budget for fully outsourced recruitment and we actually ask them, what's your pain point or what's your bottleneck? And let's help you get through that. And so it is, in fact, outsourcing just a part of the process and then we hand it back to the employer to take it through to the the, the final conclusion. Mm. Well, that's a very valuable service, Marie. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, my next question is, if you were to offer employers three recruitment tips to assist them in employing staff, what would they be? Okay. Um, a lot of problems occur by not undertaking reference checks. So that's absolutely mandatory. You must reference check and not just rely upon one reference check, but generally about three. Uh, so you have that nice cross section of um, comment and it's also sometimes the the skill in being able to interpret a reference check and this is why I, I come back again to you know using professional services or having at least some part of the, those professional services involved because um, interpreting a reference that is an art in itself as well and sometimes um, reference references are misinterpreted because they, the person doesn't have the skill in interpretation and they might be dealing with some issues that are not necessarily the candidate's problem, but it's coming through in the reference check. So I think um, that's a tricky area, but um, to not reference check is a worse sin. Mm. So I think that that's something that um, employers do need to do. Um, you know, they could look at doing some assessment as well. Um, I think assessment of skills is important because, um, you know, we look at candidates and, uh, you know, take for granted uh, what they say in an interview. The interview itself, you know, it's an interesting thing because most employers rely on one interview to employ somebody. But, you know, an interview, and this has always been my view, and I know you understand this, Marie, the interview is only an assessment of how well a person can interview. It doesn't tell you how well they're going to be in the job and so how do they find out you know how well they're going to do in the job and that's through assessment it's through behavioral questions um it's it's delving into their their background and these are some things i think that employers possibly don't do because they they don't do it every day they're not necessarily trained in these areas and so they do fall for the, the pitfalls so to speak of um you know asking some questions that are not really going to deliver them the kinds of results they're looking for. That's a good one, good mm. point. Mm. Can I also just say too that um, in terms of tips to employers that um, recruiting for attitudes, aptitude and competence is far more important than experience. Exactly, <laughs> and values fit. I, I, mm. I would go so far as saying that's almost one of the highest priorities and then go your skills and experience and qualifications next. Yes, oh, look, absolutely, totally agree, 100%. Uh, these values and attitudes are the things that are generally embedded in, in a person and are very difficult to change. They can be changed, you know, with behaviour modification, but who's going to go down that path? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> too difficult. <laughs> we were talking um, the other day about... Um, someone's orientation to problem solving, whether they see the problem as something that they can solve or where, whether they see it removed from themselves. So it's someone else's problem that has to be solved. Mm -hmm. And we're determining whether it is a behavioural trait um, or a skill. And we actually came to the conclusion it's an inherent trait. You know, it's through how they're raised, their environment, as to how they actually have a focus on challenges that come their way mm. and one of my clients said oh look I really hoped that that was going to be something that we could train <laughs> but there's just some traits that are inherent. I think you're right I think that one would be a classic um, case for behavior modification and um, and I know that uh, many years ago there was an example with a bank in the United States that went through behavior modification um, processes with their staff and um, the behavior did follow the modification so oh, very it, good it so was, there's promising signs there is promising signs but it takes a lot of effort <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've recruited for some time 23 years I'm, I'm a little bit behind but not far I'm, I'm fast on your your coattails Bernadette uh, do you have any horror stories 
Oh, yeah. Look, one one that really stands in my mind, I've got a couple actually, but um, one that was in my very early days of recruitment actually, so I was quite green at that time, and it was an interesting one because I'll never forget it, and I think I've probably still got the file somewhere. <laughs> Um, I was rec- if not physically in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it was a, um, I was recruiting for a director of a kindergarten or not, not a kindergarten. It was a childcare center. That's right. And, um, I got some amazing applications from, from everywhere, from all around Australia. We advertised it nationally. And I had an application from this fellow from Canada. And he even put his photo in, in the application. Uh, this was uh, before computers, I've got to say, too. This was, you know, typewriter days. Mm-hmm. So the application came on, you know, it was all typewritten on, on the page. And he had beautiful references. He had a glowing photo. It almost looked like he had a halo around his, his face. <laughs> and, um, beautiful references and, um, you know, looked fantastic. Um, however, he didn't actually make the grade. We didn't get him into the uh, the final shortlist. But later on, um, after, you know, we completed the process, I switched on the news and I saw this face. And here's this guy being dragged away by the police, handcuffed, oh, no. and being he'd apparently been uh, in Australia and working for um, Community Services Victoria, as it was known at that time. And uh, it turned out he was a pedophile. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, and <laughs> and he'd actually forged his references. I went back to the application and I thought, oh, thank God I didn't, you know, interview this this guy and um, appoint him, but went back to his application and, and I studied it really carefully and, uh, of course, typewriters in those days had specific um, signatures with their uh, with their fonts and, and the actual typeset. And I noticed that the reference was the same printer, the same typeface, typeset as his letter. <laughs> so he'd forged everything. Yeah. Well, just as well he didn't make the grade. Thank just, goodness for that. Just as well, just as well. <laughs> My next question is, over the years that you were in recruitment, I mean, one is the technology. Yes, the the handwritten or typed resume is gone of the day uh, when we see those. But what are some of the biggest changes you have witnessed in the recruitment and employment landscape? I think I think there's a, quite a few changes. The, the biggest one, I suppose, has been the onset of online and social media, and that's opened up a lot of a lot of interesting challenges and interesting doors, both positive and negative. Um, It's meant that recruitment has been able to get out and be far more broader reaching, uh, more effective in a, in a sense, uh, look at Seek, you know. <laughs> you, you can put an ad up on Seek and, you know, within an hour you've got, you know, 100 applications. It's extraordinary. So, but the, the downside of that is that often it's, um, you know, automated responses. They're not necessarily people who are genuinely interested in that job. They've, they've just automated their response. So, so we've got some issues to deal with there and I don't know that um, we've quite addressed that particular problem. I see there's not enough um, barriers to application now. Mm. It's too easy, which mm. means anyone can apply for anything. And you do, and the, the impetus then is on the hiring manager to scour through so many more applications than they would have previously. Oh, absolutely. Do you know, I, I remember when I started out in recruitment, you know, if I, if I wanted to see what a person looked like, if they had the right presentation skills, etc. Oh, in my advertisement, I'd say, hand deliver your application. And that's what they did. They would have to come in and, and hand deliver their application. So they'd have to get dressed up, you know, if they, you know, knew what was going on, if they understood the importance of it, they would come into the office well presented and presented for that job. So, uh, we actually were able to screen them at that time. But nowadays, as you say, we could be dealing with hundreds of applications and, and how do you sort of um, scan through all of that. You just recruited yourself for a personal assistant role. Yes. That would have garnered a significant response, I would expect. What were your numbers? We had um, over 100 mm-hmm. 
So it was quite a big swathe of applications to go through. Um, and you know, it's, it's really something that I think, um, you know, most employers just don't want to have to do on a regular basis. Luckily, we don't recruit every day, but, um, yeah, it's something that you certainly wouldn't want to have to be doing every day because it takes a lot of time and, uh, resources away from your business. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Are there any other changes that you've witnessed? Um, yeah, look, I think it's um, over the years I sort of noticed the switch from external recruitment to in-house recruitment. That was interesting because, you know, in, in recruitment days um, we used to, used to always look at our um, competitors as being other recruiters, whereas in latter years it it was actually our own clients who became our the competitors. An <laughs> um, interesting sort of challenge and um, interesting to address. And that's when I think we started to look at how we could better build those relationships and be part of their decision process and solve their problems rather than delivering transactionary um, services. So um, that that was certainly a, a bit of a challenge. Um, I think, you know, going back to, you know, the social media thing, I think that's an interesting one because um, I've noticed a lot of a, a real lax, laxness with um, candidates. Um, on their profiles? On or? their profiles, um, you know, their email addresses, you know, they have these weird and wonderful email addresses and you think, well, that doesn't look very professional. Um, Facebook, uh, most employers are going to do some sort of a Google search, uh, particularly if it's a senior role. They're just going to do a Google search. How ethical that is, I don't know, but, um, you know, it's it happens. It's public information. And if you've got it out there and if, um, you know, you're there in your party outfit and, um, you know, a bottle of beer in, in the hand, that's not a really good look if you, you're looking to, um, get a job. So I think those sorts of things have really changed a lot of the dynamics because before we never knew that sort of information. We didn't know, you know. Uh, we didn't have that public information out there. Access to the candidate's personal life. That's right. That's right. Moving mm. forward, um, as Executive Officer of Geelong Chamber of Commerce, we did put it out to our listener audience and ask them if they'd like to ask any questions to you, Bernadette. And I'll just pick up one question. Um, and one um, gentleman has asked if you could explain a little bit more around the role of the Geelong Chamber of Commerce and... Um, what does the group do and who comprises the group? Hmm. Well, the Geelong Chamber of Commerce has been around for 160 years, so it's a really, really old organisation in um, those terms. It was really started out as being um, a support for businesses at that time and it still is today we have over 750 business members that is huge it is what is the business community of geelong we have um around about 16,000 businesses uh, so of that 98 to 99 percent are in the what we call the sme sector small to medium enterprises so it's a very very large proportion of the business community large business is really only a very tiny percentage mm. of um, business and employment in Geelong. And those businesses are very, very dynamic. So what we do as a chamber is uh, we're there to support the business sector. We're there to assist them to flourish, to grow their businesses, to provide networking opportunities for them to conduct business to business with with other businesses and, and just really looking at those opportunities. So we operate on a number of levels. One is directly with our members by providing those um, networking and um, other activities for them. It might be business development, some uh, workshops, training, educational services, um, professional development services for business. And um, at the other level, we look at the sort of macro issues of Geelong. So, for instance, um, you know, where there are um, new industries coming into town, uh, where we're having discussions around Deakin's carbon fibre and development and new initiatives around that, that and how we can bring industry to Geelong. We're part of that discussion because 
new industry, big industry is also a fantastic uh, thing for small business because small business uh, can benefit from that. So, so we operate on a couple of levels. So one is the advocacy side of things in terms of advocating for Geelong uh, and looking at what we can do to be part of that um, big picture of um, bringing investment and business to Geelong, but also how we can help business that is in Geelong and how we can help them to grow and flourish and to tap into opportunities and we have a couple of programs that we we run we have a small business smart business program which Liz Grant runs very well and that's specifically geared towards small business it's a small business advisory service which is there to help uh, businesses with a range of of issues that they might have to deal with so everything from their finances to um, IT developing a website uh, providing mentoring services and other kinds of networking activities as well. So she's there as a resource and provides that very, very well. And the other major project that we run is the uh, PowerCore Geelong Business Excellence Awards. So we run that um, each year. Last year was the first year, or this year was the first year that we uh, we undertook the awards. So they've been going for 29 years and um, the the Chamber has taken those over now. So uh, we'll be going into our second year of um, running those awards in 2014. So that that's a very exciting thing as well. Well, well that's quite a large scope when I just asked a very simple question about <laughs> what does Geelong Chamber of Commerce do? And being a, a member of uh, Geelong Chamber of Commerce, I see personally firsthand the opportunities that we're afforded as members of Geelong Chamber of Commerce, whether it's networking with compatriots or going to training and development um, that assists us in growing our business. I think the Chamber does mm. a fantastic job. Thank you. Now, my final question, you've always been someone who's been involved in business and the community. What are you championing now? What am I championing What's now? on the agenda okay. for Bernadette Uzlet? Okay. Well, a couple of things. Um, there, there is a major investment development at the moment that um, I'm championing with um, the city and, and other like, like groups. At the moment, it's, it's quite sort of confidential, but, um, there are some major discussions happening at the moment. And that would be very, a very exciting initiative if it does come to Geelong. It would mean a whole new industry for Geelong. Um, oh, we have yeah. to wait with bated breath yes, on that one. Yes, <laughs> yes, you will, you will. Um, look, other things are really around, um, things such as Avalon Airport. You know, it's, it's a major potential growth initiative for Geelong. Uh, we need to address that. We need to uh, get more support from particularly our state government for, for Avalon Airport. And, and the Chamber has been working very closely with Avalon to assist them in the work that they're doing. So they're, they're trying to secure an international airline and also to get more services from Jetstar. And uh, we have been sort of working with them. We, we conducted a survey of our members a little while back and uh, that provided some input into that which was very valuable for them so we'll continue to uh, to work with them on that fantastic bernadette is passionate about business and community in geelong and we look forward to her continued representation at chamber g21 and her other committee and board responsibilities thank you bernadette for taking the time to share your experiences today you're welcome it's been a pleasure marie Wow, that was a fantastic interview with Bernadette. So what do we learn from Bernadette? First of all, I think she made a very valid point that sometimes recruitment services firms can make recruitment and the recruitment process look very easy and seamless, so much so that companies and managers see that perhaps it's an easy process when there is a significant degree of science and analysis that goes on behind the scenes of the recruitment process. Second were her recruitment tips. Make sure you reference check your candidates and the importance of doing deep reference checking. Also the various analytical tools. It's amazing how many assessment tools are out there by which we can validate a candidate's expertise so that the interview itself is not just the only way to validate and assess a candidate today. And the third is to actually drill down and look at 
the candidate at interview, ask them about behaviours and situations and how they responded in those certain situations to get a real glimpse of who that person is. I also like the fact that she mentioned that it's not just a skills, experience and qualifications fit. In fact, more often today, we will see employees that stay with an organisation who potentially were not the best skills, experience and qualifications fit. But when they've got the attitude and attributes and the values fit, that's really where the magic lies. Another interesting point was that recruitment services companies no longer see other recruitment services companies as their competitors, but in-house recruitment has become the main competition for recruitment companies. One thing that we've developed at Harvest Recruitment is tools that enable hiring managers to recruit better themselves. We offer our clients recruitment templates. Um, I'm going to be launching a book in the new year, which is a how-to guide for recruitment. So unlocking the secrets, I guess, of the recruitment industry. And following that, we'll be releasing a recruitment training video because our aim is not to swim against the tide, but to flow with it. And if companies are seeing the value of in-house recruitment, the best advice that we can give is how to do recruitment and how to optimize your recruitment outcomes. So that's what I learned and that's what I gleaned from today. And you probably gained some more tips that you can apply to your business, but there was a lot in there. I trust that you would agree. Our next episode is going to take us to Perth. So episode two, I'm going to be on the road and I thought what better opportunity than to have our consultants share some of their experiences. We're opening our brand new office next week, or not opening, it's not our official launch, we move in. So I will be in my t-shirt and shorts in sunny Perth with the Allen key and screwdriver in hand, assembling desks and chairs and all that fun stuff. But in the midst of that, I'm going to take some time and interview our two consultants. So join me for episode two as you get a feel for what's happening in Perth and what have been some of the experiences of the recruitment industry and industry in general out of Western Australia. So we look forward to having you join us for episode two of Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show. So as we wrap up today, we invite you to join us in one of our online forums either LinkedIn at Harvest HR Group, Facebook as Harvest Recruitment, and also watch out for our events. Go to harvesthr.com.au. We would love to see you at our breakfast in the new year, Staffing for Growth at Winters Cafe on Thursday the 19th of February, or join us shortly thereafter for the webinar. See you next time at Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success. You have been listening to Harvest Recruitment Seeds for Success show with Marie Harris. Want to cultivate your employment prowess? Then visit harvesthr.com.au.